Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning. Good morning and welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. This is Elder David Wise here with you on the program, and we share time with Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church and Elder Joe Nettles, the pastor of Sulphur Springs. Uh, we're thankful to have you here with us. If you happen to be in the North Mississippi area, we would certainly love for you to come and worship with us at Macedonia. We're at 11th State and Road in Ackerman, Mississippi, and uh, Sulphur Springs is on Wolf Road outside Caledonia, Mississippi, and both of our churches meet on every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m., and then we also have a meeting in Starkville, Mississippi at the New Covenant Church on 200 West Garrett Road. That's in a new location, been at the La Quinta Inn for quite a while, and now we're at New Covenant Church, and we're very thankful to have that opportunity. 200 West Garrett Road, Starkville, Mississippi, Wednesday nights beginning at 6 p.m. I invite you to go to this program's website, gospel-of-grace.com, and you can find our past messages there. Subscribe to our podcast so you get regular updates. Also, you can go to macedonia-pbc.org for a lot of sermons and a lot of other content, Macedonia's website, where I'm the pastor at. This morning, we'd like to continue our thoughts on spiritual warfare that we are engaged in every single day with hopefully some encouraging thoughts about how to fight a good fight, war a good warfare with confidence and trust in Jesus Christ as the captain of our salvation and all of the angels that are fighting on our behalf that encamp round about the children of God that fear him. So we hope the message this morning and this series can be a blessing to you. We invite you to stay tuned as we bring that message to you right after the song. Yeah. 
Good morning and welcome again to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. This is Elder David Wise here with you this morning, and we would like to continue our thoughts that we've been going through during my time on the program of spiritual warfare and the warfare that we are in each day. And I'd like to highlight a few things that we've noted in prior messages. I mentioned the uh, screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis that gives a fictional depiction of another seasoned tempter instructing a young up-and-coming tempter about how to best attack God's children. And then this present darkness that, again, I believe is, is a very good perspective of the spiritual warfare that we're in. And there's a movie that I really enjoy called War Room, put out by the Kendrick Brothers. They've put out a lot of really good movies, Facing the Giants and Fireproof and Courageous. And they've got quite a few other ones that, that are really good. And one of those movies is War Room. And there's this old sassy lady who takes a young lady under her wing and she's going through some troubles. But essentially, this old widow was married to a military commander, and he had passed away. And she approaches prayer, the most important room, her favorite room in her house is her prayer closet. But she made an attack plan, a battle plan of warfare for her family. And then she mentors this young lady to attack Satan in prayer. And you need to have a battle plan. You need to have an attack plan in prayer to be successful. And I believe that's such a great perspective. Very great movie, by the way. I would encourage you to watch that. But essentially, we're trying to have that same approach to this overall warfare that we're trying to consider, the spiritual warfare. But we definitely need to have that strategy and attack plan in prayer as well to protect our families from Satan. We need to pray every day. The model prayer tells, deliver us from evil. Well, there's a reason why we need to be delivered from evil. It's because Satan is trying to devour God's children every single day. So pray for your family, protect your family in prayer. And by the way, just speaking of the warfare that we're in and our families, in Psalm 127 and verse 5, it describes our children as arrows, as arrows in the hand of a mighty man. So we're children of the youth. Now, at that time, arrows were long-range weapons. Not many people, now that we have guns, to use arrows anymore. But what he's saying there is in this battle between the church and the world, that your children are one of the most important offensive long-range weapons in this spiritual warfare. So you need to raise up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You need to raise up your children in such a way that they know they're in a fight that they know that they're in a spiritual warfare and what amazing long-term blessings could be had by raising up that arrow and the nurture and admonition of the Lord, pointing it out and shooting it for the glory of God. And our children are one of the most important aspects of this battle. And don't you know Satan knows that? Satan knows. Satan knows that our children are arrows in this warfare. And it's no surprise that Satan is trying to, and unfortunately being successful, to destroy the family and to deceive our children. Because I'll tell you, he doesn't want those arrows shooting out. Satan doesn't want those arrows shooting out for the kingdom of God. He didn't want your kids focused on the kingdom. He wants your kids focused on all the things of the world, you see? So Satan is trying to deceive our children. Why? Because he is trying to take the arrows out of the hand of the kingdom of God. Well, I'll tell you, we need to take those arrows back. Amen? We need to take those arrows back, raise up our children in the nursery and admonition of the Lord, and that will be one of the most important long-range weapons in this spiritual warfare to advance the kingdom of God 
is raising our kids as arrows to be shot out in this spiritual warfare. So we're in a war. We need to fight well. We need to have a good battle plan of attack. But this morning, I particularly want to emphasize the power behind the flesh and blood people that we may be engaged with on a daily basis. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, let's go to Revelation chapter 2. I kind of began this thought a couple weeks ago, and I was directed in a different way since then. So going back to Revelation chapter 2, again, these persecuted churches that we see during these letters that are, particularly the church at Smyrna, is on the verge of facing martyrdom. We see the church at Pergamos had already lost a member. They'd already lost Antipas, a faithful martyr. And this is a church that's persecuted, a church that is facing not just poverty, not just tribulation and persecution, but they are preparing to face martyrdom. And that's, again, why the big picture of the book of Revelation is so important when we're facing persecution to understand you're not the first person to ever go through this. You're not in this battle by yourself But understand, the battle is not with the individual person that's trying to throw you in prison that we see at the church at Smyrna. It's not with that individual person. No, it's against Satan. It's against Satan and the entire kingdom of darkness. And this is the battle that's been going on since the beginning of the world. And you see, that's a significant amount of what Jesus is wanting the church there in the first century to understand is this is bigger than you. This conflict is bigger than you. And it's been going on since the Garden of Eden. It's been going on, talk about the Babylonian harlot, it's been going on since Nimrod and the Tower of Babel. It's it's been going on since Genesis, and it's going to continue all the way until the second coming of the Lord. And the encouragement for God's children in the midst of persecution has always been to point them to the big picture. Because I'll tell you, when we're in the middle of that foxhole and spiritual bullets are flying by our ears and we don't know which ones may hit us, I'll tell you, we need to be reminded of the big picture that even if I lose my natural life, I'm going to receive, as it says in Revelation 2 and verse 10, even if I'm faithful in death and I lose my natural life, I will receive a crown of life, which is just simply going into the presence of Jesus, right? So even if I lose my natural life, that's as good as it could ever get. The worst someone could ever do to me here in this world is to begin eternal life earlier for the child of God. You see? And that's the kind of perspective we need to have. And that's why he gives this glimpse in the book of Revelation to for you to understand that Jesus wins. Jesus wins. And then the final culmination of all of that is the new heavens and the new earth and new Jerusalem and us being in heaven with God. And I'll tell you, we shed a lot of tears here in this world. But in the midst of those tears, in the midst of dealing with your possible death or dealing with the death of a loved one, you need to understand the big picture. And more than that, you need to understand the final destination while you're weeping here in this world that God has saved you by his grace to a place where God's going to wipe away every tear from your eye. Amen. That's what you need to be reminded of in the midst of persecution. And in America, praise God, we've been protected from that. 
But when persecution comes, because it will, it will come, we need to be reminded of the fact that this world is not our home. We are pilgrims and strangers. We're in a battle that didn't start with us and it's not gonna end with us. But Jesus has conquered this world. He's conquered Satan. He's gonna destroy Satan and the beast and the false prophet and cast them into the lake of fire at the end of time. And Jesus is gonna come back and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And we're gonna bask and there's not gonna be any night there. There's not gonna be any need of any candles because we're gonna be fully basking in the light of the world. We're going to be fully basking in the light of Jesus Christ perfectly. And that is the vision that we need when we are enduring persecution here in this world, particularly if we're dealing with persecution to the intensity that we could possibly lose our natural life. Okay. So these seven churches in Asia, well, they had a lot of problems. They had a lot of problems. But they were, in, they were faithfully enduring persecution, particularly the church here at Smyrna. Revelation chapter 2, the church at Smyrna, begin reading in verse 9. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, and you may be tried. And ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. So, first of all, there were some physical Jews that were members of the Jewish synagogue there in that day that were persecuting the people in Smyrna. And he tells them, look, you don't be concerned solely about those flesh and blood Jews. Satan is in control of that synagogue. Boy, and that's sobering too, isn't it? A supposed house of worship. A supposed house that's supposed to be dedicated to the worship of Jehovah God. And it's not God's synagogue. It's Satan's synagogue. And then he says in verse 10, Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried. Now, was the physical devil, was Lucifer going to take a bodily form and go get them and cast them into prison? No, no. How was the devil going to cast them into prison? It was by rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places in the city of Smyrna. I'll tell you, we need to pray for kings and those that are in authority over us. We need to pray not just for kings and for our president in America. We need to pray for state officials, but maybe more than anything, we need to pray for local officials. Because who was it that was going to cast these people into prison? It wasn't Caesar. It was the local magistrate, okay? And that local magistrate was being influenced by Satan, okay? I'm just going to let that sink in for a minute. This is the reality of what we're talking about here. A local magistrate was being influenced by Satan to cast these Christians in Smyrna into jail. Let's flip over to Revelation chapter 12, and we have this depiction of Jesus Christ being born and the man-child being born, and we have a dragon here, and the dragon is Satan. And that dragon, or Satan, is trying to devour the man-child as the man-child is being born. So you have Jesus being born, and you have a dragon that's trying to devour the man-child as he's being born. This is in Revelation chapter 12 and in verse 4. The great red dragon, which is Satan, and the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her as soon as it was born. Now, never lose sight of the fact that Satan is always thwarted. Satan is always overruled by the power of God. 
Satan is trying to kill the man-child, but she brought forth the man-child who's to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. So Satan was thwarted, and particularly on the cross, his head was crushed by this man-child that ruled with a rod of iron, which is Jesus Christ. Now, there were many attempts to stamp out the lineage of the Jews prior to Jesus being born. And I believe Satan was behind every one of them. Satan was behind Pharaoh trying to kill the children. Satan was behind Haman trying to wipe out all the Jews. Satan was behind all these people. Many other instances we could highlight in scripture where people were trying to kill and stamp out the natural chosen people of the Jews because the Messiah was going to come out of them. Now, in this instance, how was the dragon trying to slay the man-child? Do you want to know how this was played out in flesh and blood reality? It was played out by Herod, the Tetrarch, killing babies two years of age and under in hopes of killing Jesus Christ, who is the king of the Jews. So you have Herod, who is carrying out a physical action, but he is a ruler and spiritual wickedness in high places that is being influenced by the dragon, you see? So Satan is behind Herod. He's behind this local magistrate in Smyrna that is casting them into prison. He's behind these Jews that say they're members of the synagogue. We see a similar instance in Pergamos. Verse 13, I know thy works and where thou dwellest and where Satan's seat is. And thou holdest fast my name and has not denied my faith even in the days wherein Antipas, my faithful martyr who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. Satan had authority in Pergamos. And it doesn't appear that it was just in the synagogue. Just like in Smyrna, the local magistrates in Pergamos were being influenced by Satan. Revelation chapter 3, now writing to the church at Philadelphia. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. So there were Jews in Philadelphia that were unregenerates, that were of the synagogue of Satan. But again, you have this overcoming, overpowering promise of God that, you know what, they're trying to get you, but I'm going to make them worship at your feet. We mentioned Haman earlier, but isn't that a great example of how Satan was using at that time a ruler in a high place, in spiritual wickedness in high places, and he was using Haman to to try to stamp out the lineage of the Messiah, try to stamp out the Jews. And by the end of it, Satan was doing that, but by the end of it, Haman was killed and Haman was worshiping Mordecai going through the streets of Shushan. By the end of it, just like this promise, those that hated you and that are trying to hurt you and afflict you, I will make them to worship before thy feet. Amen. That God is able to overcome the wickedness of this world around us that is trying to thwart us every single day. So these churches in Asia were being persecuted by Satan, you see. And we highlighted for you in some prior messages just the reality of this battle between God's angels and these fallen angels Michael, the archangel, standing up for the people of God. We have the sons of God going to present themselves before the Lord and Satan showing right up there with them. We have Joshua praying and Satan is standing at his right hand and resisting him. So all of these instances where you're having Satan afflict these people, understand Satan is carrying out his wicked devices through natural men. Fast forwarding, 
toward the end of time. And the man of sin and the false prophet, they will be physical men who will be carrying out those. But it says that the beast out of the sea in Revelation 13, he gets his power from the dragon and the false prophet too, you see. So there are highly ranking officials here in this world that have positions of authority that Satan is controlling and manipulating principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. Satan is manipulating that now. He's been manipulating it ever since the beginning of the world when Nimrod set up Babylon, and it will continue to escalate until the end of time where the man of sin and the false prophet are being used by Satan to persecute and afflict the people of God. Now, all of that can be very sobering. All of that can be very concerning. But we want to conclude in Revelation chapter 12 with the understanding that God has given us power to overcome that. Again, we don't have time to really highlight this, but I would encourage you to study in Revelation 2 and 3 and those seven individual letters to the seven churches of Asia. In every letter to an individual church, there is a promise to him that overcometh, okay? So you're going to encounter problems. You're going to encounter persecution. You may even lose your life in service to God as a faithful martyr, but there are promises and blessings by remaining faithful and overcoming, okay? So we are encouraged to overcome, to overcome. How do we overcome Satan? I tell you, Revelation chapter 12 begins pretty terrifyingly, right? You have this dragon, the scary dragon, a great red dragon, seven heads, 10 horns, seven crowns upon his heads, and he's trying to destroy the man child. So you have this terrifying dragon that we're told in verse nine is the old serpent, devil, and Satan. And now Jesus Christ has defeated Satan on the cross in verse 10. Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Satan has been cast down. That serpent has had his head crushed by the seed of the woman that was prophesied all the way back in Genesis chapter three, right after the fall. You know, don't you know that Satan thought that he had maybe won a victory at the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden? Don't you think that for a minute, Satan was relishing the fact that they had fallen into sin, but God reminds Satan in that moment, yes, you may have stubbed their toe, but it's only gonna be for a little bit for the elect. Why? Because I'm bringing the seed of the woman to crush your head and you're only gonna bruise his heel. So even when Satan thought that he had probably defeated God's people in the Garden of Eden, God reminds him that you're gonna be crushed by the cross by Jesus Christ. And that's what's being referred to here. Satan's been cast down. Now has come salvation and strength through Jesus Christ on the cross. And then in verse 11, you need to remember this child of God. In verse 11, and they overcame them, the church, the children of God. How do the children of God overcome the attempts of Satan? I'll tell you, it can look bad sometimes. I bet it looked really bad that Herod was killing all those babies two years of age and under. Well, you know what? God protected. He put a hedge. He protected his child in the midst of that. I tell you, things look really bad around us sometimes. But in the midst of that, how did God's people 
overcome Satan. How do we overcome Satan today? We overcome him by the blood of the lamb. You need to know this verse, Revelation chapter 12 and in verse 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore, rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. And woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down, having great wrath, because he knoweth he hath but a short time. How do we overcome Satan? How do we overcome our adversary, the devil? We overcome him by the blood of the lamb. I tell you, some people in other denominations, I don't think they use this appropriately all the time, but they say, I plead the blood. I plead the blood. Well, I'll tell you, when Satan starts tempting you, you point him to the cross. You point him to the blood of Jesus. You tell him, you have no standing to accuse me because of the blood of the lamb. And the worst you could ever do to me here in this world is take my physical life. But you know what? I'm gonna go to heaven if you take my physical life because of the blood of the lamb. When Satan tempts us, you point him to the cross. You point him to the blood of the lamb, but you also overcome him by the word of their testimony. You overcome him by the sword of the spirit. You overcome him by the word of God. And you don't be concerned about what Satan's gonna do to you. You love not your lives under the death. Again, the worst thing that can happen to you here in this world is you lose your natural life. And I'll tell you, then you're gonna see the lamb face to face and sing a, a new song with all the elect family of God worthy is the lamb. You see, we have overcome. God has given us victory over this world. He has given us victory over Satan. And we overcome Satan by the blood of the lamb. Okay. So you point Satan to the cross and you remind him that he's a defeated foe. You need to remind Satan. You remember how the foot of my savior on your head felt? Well, guess what? You're going to be feeling it in an even more manifest sense at the end of time when he casts you into the lake of fire. But children of God today, do not be discouraged. I'll tell you, this world can look ugly and flesh and blood folks can be horrible here in this world, but you do not need to be discouraged. We have the power of the blood of the lamb to overcome Satan and all of our enemies here in this world by the power of the blood of the lamb. When Satan tempts you, you point him to the cross. When Satan tempts you, you point him to the blood of Jesus and say, you have no standing to accuse me because my Savior died for my sins on the cross. Let's overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb. May God richly bless you today is my prayer. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. To find a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. 
If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the mass